Welcome to Better Animal Handling, Chapter 9, Episode Center, Missouri, USA. I'm CB Chastain, your guide to better animal handling, and Abby, my cattle dog and well-grounded co-host. Say hi, Abby. Our goal is to improve your knowledge of why domestic animals from chihuahuas to Clydesdales act as they do and how to better handle them safely and humanely. Today's episode is on poultry housing and enclosures. Our topics for this week are comparison of poultry housing and enclosures, including conventional cages, enriched housing, barn or aviaries, and free range. The American Veterinary Medical Association policy on layer hen housing systems states that housing systems should provide for expression of important natural behaviors protect hens from disease, injury, and predation, and promote food safety. Participation in a nationally recognized third-party audited welfare program is strongly advised. Poultry, excluding ratites, which are emus and ostriches, and waterfowl are generally housed on floor housing, slats or wire mesh, or cage housing. Commercial chicken houses are cage housing because more chickens can be maintained with less land costs and labor involved. About 90% of layer heads in the United States are in cage systems, but there's a growing market trend toward cage-free eggs. International regulations have begun to restrict the use of cage housing on the basis that the confinement was extreme and beyond humane practices. Proponents of cage systems stress the protection from selected diseases, confinement from pecking injuries to only birds within the cage, and litter-free air quality. Poultry housing quality should be based on the incidence of lameness, feather condition, frequency and severity of wounds, number of soiled birds, and ammonia levels. Housing should provide natural behaviors, reduce the risk of diseases, injuries, and attack by predators. Conventional cages or wire cages about the size of a filing cabinet drawer, called a battery cage, in which three to eight hens live, but cannot dust bathe, walk, perch, or forage. The arrangement of cages is similar to the cells in a battery. Each bird is allowed 67 square inches of space. In addition, they are prohibited or inhibited from flapping their wings, stretching their wings out, shaking their body, or wagging their tail. Some wire floors can cause foot damage. These have an economic advantage at the expense of prohibiting natural behavior and normal bone strength plus causing stereotypic behavior. 
Cage-free systems include sawdust-covered floor, roosting areas, and private nesting boxes. Close confinement can be one cause for cannibalism, pegging injuries, and failure to eat or drink. Combs and waddles and chickens and snoods and turkeys are more at risk to be injured when in close confinement or without environmental enrichment. The injuries can lead to being pecked by other birds. To eliminate that risk in close confinement operations, the comb is amputated, dubbing, or the two waddles are amputated, they're dewaddled. In turkeys, the snood is amputated, desnooded. Debeaking partial amputation at the end of the beak is performed on all poultry being closely confined to help control cannibalism. One-third of the upper beak is amputated in broilers, and one-half of the upper beak is removed in turkeys. Debeaking will also prevent the bird from being able to perform natural foraging for food by pecking on the ground or on a floor surface. Abby says chopping off most of your upper jaw would definitely cut down on snacking. It could be called the no-nose diet but she doubts if most people will want to have it done to them. Maybe they should not do it on poultry. Enriched housing provides more room for behavior enrichment. It may include perches, nest boxes, and scratch areas. Up to 60 birds may be housed together. Perching is a natural behavior for poultry and strengthens bones and muscles in their legs and feet. Perches strengthen leg bones, reduce pecking by more dominant hens, and reduces or eliminates breast blisters, which are caused by lying on bedding wet with urine. Litter permits the natural behavior of dust bathing and improved feather condition. It also provides an opportunity for foraging, which reduces pecking injuries. Mortality is lowest in poultry housed in enriched housing. Nesting is a natural behavior of laying hens. Nests can be individual nests or community nests for four hens. Individual nests for hens should be one foot square and one foot high. Nests should be positioned about two feet from the floor and have a landing board below the entrance to facilitate access to the nest. Partially covering the entrance to the nest by about two-thirds with a cloth flap will encourage birds to enter. Wire cages, one by two-inch welded wire mesh inside hen houses, can be used in mild climates. Wire cages are typically 12 inches wide, 18 inches deep, and 16 inches high. Poultry barns are cage-free buildings where birds are kept on the floor with access to litter and nest boxes. An aviary is a barn with multi-tiered perches or platforms. Free range is used primarily for broilers and fryers and roaster chickens. It provides housing for protection from sun and wind with access to outdoor pen or pasture during the day. Commercial free-range operations require one acre of range for 400 to 500 pullets. 
Rangering is for warm weather months. Protection from the sun and wind is provided with a skid shed with a slanted roof that's moved occasionally. Small flocks can be kept in a backyard housing. Chickens are highly social. At least three should be housed together. A minimum of two to three square feet per chicken is needed in a coop. Backyard coops should provide predator-proof fencing, straw bedding, a roost or elevated slatted floor, perches, nest boxes, and accessibility to dirt for dust bathing. At least two nesting boxes should be provided for four to five hens. The interior should be easy to clean. Supplemental heating may be necessary in the winter. Runs should have a roof to protect chickens from wild bird droppings and predators. They should provide space that is at least four square feet per chicken. Small laying flocks and turkeys often have roosts or perches. Roosts can be built over wire and dropping pits or they may be over a dropping board which requires periodic cleaning. Roosts can injure the breasts of broilers and fryers, roasters or capons and heavyweight breed turkeys and should not be used for these birds. Roosts are for sleeping. A roost in a chicken coop should be as high as possible but still allows headroom for the chicken. Roosts provide an area for birds to group without piling on each other. Roosting keeps birds off the ground and out of their feces. Poultry with outdoor access need to be secured away from attacks by dogs, cats, coyotes, skunks, weasels, foxes, owls, and raccoons, especially at night. Hawks are a daytime predator of poultry. An electric wire a few inches above the ground or a mesh fence extending below the ground level can help protect against predators that cannot fly. Buried mesh fencing should be curved toward the outside of the enclosure and backfilled with rocks or stone. Mesh should be attached by screws and washers, not staples. Raccoons can pull staples out. Turkey poults up to eight weeks of age each need one square foot of floor space in brooder houses. From 8 to 12 weeks of age, they should have 2 square feet for each bird. Adult turkeys should have at least 3 square feet for hens to at least 5 square feet for toms. Lightweight breed turkeys can be kept on wire or slatted porches. Heavyweight breed turkeys will injure their breasts and feet and should be raised on, in paved or gravel yards. Community nest for five birds is acceptable. By seven weeks of age, ducklings should have two and a half square feet, and adult ducks need six square feet per bird in indoor confinement, and less three square feet per bird in a yard. Housing should be divided for every three ducks to reduce fighting. Geese need five square feet per goose if in a housing with access to a yard. The yard should provide up to 40 square feet per goose. 
community nests for three to five breeders is sufficient. Although adult geese can protect themselves against predators smaller than a coyote, goose eggs and goslings are susceptible to attack by raccoons and skunks and should be kept in a six-foot-tall fine mesh fencing to keep out predators. Pairs or trios of ratites require about one acre of enclosure. Mesh, woven wire, two by four inch fencing at least five feet high is recommended. Electrified hot wires should be on the outside bottom of the fence to keep predators out. High tensile wire at least six feet high is also safe and effective if a minimum of 15 strands of wire is used starting with four inches off the ground and every four inches for four feet and then every eight inches for the top two feet. Electrified wire should be placed on the outside of the fence to discourage predators from entering. Since feathers are poor conductors of electricity, hot wires have relatively little effect on poultry. Chain link is not advisable because it can result in caught toe injuries. Neighboring groups should be visible. Alleyways between ratite pens are beneficial in moving birds to different pens. Three-sided sheds should be provided for protection against weather extremes. However, ratites do not seek shelter often after they're more than six months old. Now, let's recap the key points to remember from today's episode. Housing systems, even for poultry, should permit expressions of natural behaviors. Battery cages prevent expression of many natural behaviors. Mortality rates are lowest for poultry and enriched housing. Predators and wild bird diseases are a risk for poultry in free-range enclosures. Abby says it's time to wrap up this episode. More information on animal handling is available in my book, Animal Handling and Physical Restraint, published by CRC Press. It's also available on Amazon and from many other fine book supply sources. Additional information is available at betteranimalhandling.com. Don't forget, serious injury or death can result from handling and restraining some animals. Safe and effective handling and restraint requires experience and continual practice. Acquisition of the needed skills should be under the supervision of an experienced animal handler. Thanks for listening, Abby, and I hope you'll come back next week when I'll talk about industrial farm animal production. Hey, Abby, are you ready to fly this coop? Yeah, I guess that was kind of a foul joke.